You're listening to the New Life Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. For more info on service times and locations, you can find us at newlifefoursquare.org. In this episode, Pastor Prasunta continues our series, The Circle Maker, with a dynamic message on the power of asking in prayer and believing they have been answered. Do you believe that God can answer all your prayers, no matter what it is you do? There was this guy who, uh, <clears throat> who believed that God could answer all his prayers, and he was a good Christian. He would go to church like you and I, but there was this one Sunday that he decided that he wanted to go fishing. So he left church and he, he went fishing. Well, as he was walking uh, through this forest, he fell, and he fell on a stone, and he broke his, his, both his legs, and he's uh, uh, there, and he can't move. And um, from the corner of his eye, he could see this bear running towards him, and he knew that life was coming to an end. But, you know, he was a prayerful guy. He knew how to pray, so he uh, said, God, you know, I'm sorry I didn't get to church this Sunday but would you make a Christian out of that bear? And so the bear came up to his feet and he stopped. And now that God had made the bear a Christian, he put his paws together, knelt on the floor, and he said, Father, would you bless this food that I'm just about to partake in? (laughs) Well, some of you didn't get it, but that's okay. It's still early in the day. So in the past three weeks, we have been in a series called The Circle Maker. Week one was about circling the promises in the Bible. Uh, So by now, you should have lots of marks on your Bible. Writing down a list of life goals, keeping a prayer journal, defining your dreams, claiming your promises, spelling out your miracle. This this was week one. Week two two was about dreaming big, big dreams. In week three, we were encouraged to pray hard. Today, I want to talk to you about thinking long, meaning praying and fasting long-term in faith, in anticipation of the fulfillment of your prayers. Does God expect every person who believes in him to pray? The answer is yes, he does. How often do you enter into temptation is the question that you should ask if you think you shouldn't be praying. If you are tempted often, the more you will need to pray. The Bible says, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. That's in Mark chapter 14, verse 38. Do you live around difficult people? How about at home? How about your family? How about at work? Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your boss. But don't you live around people that are difficult? I mean, they give you a hard time. We do all the time because we don't live. We are not, we haven't still got to heaven. And so there are people around us that make life difficult for us. God says, bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. There you have it. Prayer is an essential part of who we are. If we live on this planet, which we acknowledge is broken, We need to be in prayer. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass, 
and to stand before the Son of Man. This is Luke chapter 21, verse 36. We know now that we are supposed to pray. There isn't anything, we can't go through life without praying. We, have, we will have circumstances that will cause us to pray. The question this morning is for how long? The Bible says pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Now let me tell you why you have to pray without ceasing, because you are not the only person on the planet. There are people around you, and you have opportunities to bless them too. The power of the Holy Spirit is in you. And you can cause this power to flow over your situations. Your children, those difficult people, the family, your job, your home. When you pray, you can cause this power to flow out of you. Acts chapter 1 verse, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to, uh, to me in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You can activate your miracle through prayer. What are you hoping for this morning? If you pray, you can make it happen. And when you are not praying in the will of God, the Spirit within you will help you focus and align your prayer to God's will. What is in you will be manifested when you pray. Prayer is so critical that God placed in us the Holy Spirit who will help us to pray when we don't know what to say or how to pray. Romans chapter 8 verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray. For as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. It's so critical. God knew that when he, we would come to places in our life where we, had, where, we, where, would be, where we would be in traumatic situations where the words simply wouldn't come out of our mouth. And so he gave us that capability. He put the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in us. That when we are in those situations, even then, when we get on our knees, spread out our hands, and say, God, I, I don't know what to say, the Spirit of God will help you pray. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, Now to him, meaning God, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or even think, according to the power that works in us. Okay? Now, he could have said, to him who is available, uh, uh, able to do, that he can do this on his own. He did not. He said that God can do exceedingly and abundantly and above everything that we are capable of asking for or even thinking of. But he will do that according to the power that works within us. Do you think that God, God can do above all? Certainly. Then why not? Why not when we pray? Why doesn't it happen? Because it's according to the power that works in us. Is it possible that God has already done the work? And the answer is waiting in heaven 
to be released through the power that is in us when we pray. Is it even possible that some of the things you're already praying for, God has already answered, and he's just waiting for that prayer to release it? Is it possible that God's unlimited power that is deposited in us, it's unlimited, is limited by our prayer life? I believe that the power within us can only be released through prayer. How much of the power of the Holy Spirit is flowing out of you? I believe your prayer life is the faucet, it's the tap that opens the living water that has been placed within you. When you pray, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. Prayer doesn't change, just change circumstances. More importantly, it changes us. When we pray, it first changes us. It doesn't just alter external realities. It alters internal realities so that we see with spiritual eyes. It gives us peripheral vision. It corrects our nearsightedness. It enables us to see beyond our circumstances, beyond ourselves, beyond even time. It gives us the ability to think eternal thoughts, to be able to think long. If we model our life after Jesus, then you must know that Jesus spent more time in prayer than doing anything else. And you have to ask yourself, why? He did. He prayed. He got up early. He went away. In Luke chapter 5, verse 16, we read that, so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness, and he prayed. Have you ever wondered why out of all the things Jesus did, his disciples asked him to teach him, teach them how to pray? They didn't ask them, ask him to show them how to feed a multitude of people or calm storms or cast out demons, heal the sick and raise the dead or even walk on water. I think it's because they saw that all these wonderful miracles and acts of Jesus hinged on prayer. People who pray cause rivers of living water to flow to all of the people around them. They bring down from heaven the prayers that have already been answered and manifested and manifest what God has already done. Many years ago, my friend and my neighbor, Jimmy, some of you know him, uh, we met regularly to, regularly to pray. And um, uh, it was a Monday night prayer meeting. Jimmy lived right across the street from me. I could throw a stone from my front door to his front door. Uh, and we were young, we were naive, we were, uh, we were new, new born again Christians, we were gung-ho for Jesus and we would wear things like this, say Jesus, and uh, wear the t-shirts and, and do crazy things. But the important thing is that we decided we want to have a regular prayer time. So we decided we we're going to pray. And our first meeting, we talked about everybody in the church and prayed for 10 minutes. It took about an hour. And that was okay, but we found as we went along week one, week two, and week three that... Uh, our prayer time, we would say, let's pray as the Holy Spirit would lead us. And we would spend about 10 minutes in that one hour praying. And the rest of the time, we would talk about different things. We'd shoot the breeze. Uh, then we thought this prayer time of uh, an hour and two that we spent together uh, wasn't very, very uh, 
lucrative in, in the, in the, or spiritual because our time with God was very limited. Uh, but our time together between each other was, was wonderful. So we decided we'll open the Bible and start reading a chapter while we were there. We did that. Um, and then Jimmy got the, had this idea. You see, we never really came to know if God was answering our prayers because we would pray a set of prayers this Monday and it would be a different set of prayers the next Monday. If we heard that someone was sick the following Monday, we'd pray for that person as well. We would think about the people that didn't know Jesus Christ a lot. And we'd pray for them, but... You know, we really didn't know if God was answering our prayers. So Jimmy had this wonderful idea one day. He's, he got himself a notebook and he said, Hey, brother, why won't we write down what we pray for? So we did. All of a sudden, we were not praying for 10 minutes. We were like, pray for half an hour, one hour, one hour, 45 minutes. Because every time we met, we prayed for everybody in that notebook that, where God had not answered the prayer. So we'd start from page one and we'd go down. And because we had the book, we came to know that God was indeed answering our prayers, even though it was very uh, not, not very theological what we were doing. Uh, we were just doing it because we knew it was somehow in our spirit, we knew this was the right thing to do. Now, I had a brother in, in Taiwan who, who didn't know Jesus Christ, and he was a bit of a difficult character. And I put his name on that first page as those who need salvation. And we'd pray, and you know, several years went by, one year, two years, three or five years went by into praying for him, and he came, one day he came to know through some very difficult circumstances, he came to know Jesus Christ as his savior. God does answer prayer. Even though it took five years, it did. Martin Luther, one of the greatest Catholic monks in history, started the Reformation that created the Protestant movement and changed the course of the world. Martin Luther said, more work is done by prayer than work itself. Sometimes we pray, and when we cannot see a result, we get discouraged. Our discouragement will cause us disbelief and doubt. This is how the devil sows doubt. He interferes in the heavenlies and causes delays, which in turn causes doubt in our heart, and then we stop praying. Matthew chapter 21, verses 21 to 22 says this, Assuredly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. If the devil can cast doubt, he can cause your prayer to fail. It's one of his tactics because God has already said, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find. Knock and it'll be opened unto you. So what if he can take that belief out of you? What if he can cause doubt in your heart? That is why when you pray, you must never, ever give up. Continue to pray till you receive it. It's not a matter of pestering God. It's a matter of building up your faith when you pray. Father, I want my, my brother to come to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Uh, repeatedly, over and over, day after day, year after year. Keep at it. Because as you pray, you build your faith, you build your belief. You do not give room for 
disbelief or doubt. Because the moment you do that, the devil has won. We see an example of this in Daniel. In Daniel chapter 10, verses 11, verses 12 to 13, we all know Daniel as a man of prayer. We know who he is. Daniel is confronted by an angelic being, and he says, since the first day, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before the Lord, your words were heard, and I have come to respond to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. Daniel was troubled. He was praying. Some of you know about the Daniel fast. He was fasting. He was fasting and praying. But you see, God had already answered his, uh, his prayer on day one, or he had a solution, and he was sending this guy down here to talk to Daniel and explain what was going to happen. But it took 21 days. He was delayed. On the 22nd day, he showed up. But Daniel continued to pray and fast. He didn't allow belief or doubt to come in, even though the devil was delaying it. When Daniel prayed, it was heard the first day. But the answer was not delivered the first day. There was a time lapse. Have you been in a time lapse before? Has your prayer not been answered? I have, but Daniel didn't act in disbelief. When we pray, we need to keep in mind that there may be spiritual battles in the heavenlies that is keeping our answers to prayer from getting down to earth right away. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, this way, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's where the wrestling is. Daniel 10, 10, 12 is a first-hand account of this battle. This is why we must never get discouraged and continue to pray. This verse also speaks to our attitude. We must approach prayer in humility. Very important. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5, Likewise, you who are younger, young people, read this. Read it well and remember this. Be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility towards one another. This is you and me, let us be humble towards each other. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You know, when you live a life of sin, you understand what grace is. I understand grace. I do. I understand mercy. I do. It says that when, you're, when you have lived a life of sin, you appreciate grace and mercy more. You understand exactly what it is. For some of you who were born with a silver spoon in your mouth and who, who have not been in a life of sin and who have been walking on water, you will not understand the meaning of grace and mercy. 
But for me, I live because of grace, of God's grace and his mercy. So this being humble and this pride thing is an important thing that I fight with every day. I battle it because if I have a proud countenance, I will not be in the presence of God. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. If you think you are better than someone else, hope you are listening. If you are self-righteous, if you think you deserve more, if you cannot forgive and you hold a grudge, if you cannot say you're sorry when you hurt someone, when you cannot admit to your wrongdoing, these are the symptoms of a disease called pride. God will resist you and the devil will destroy you. You know, uh, we, we are in a situation where there is a virus called the coronavirus. Uh, this is really nothing new. This virus is not something new. This has been around for a long time, except it never came into a human body. It, was, it lived in the pigs. It lived in certain kinds of birds. It was there. Nobody cared about it because it never affected mankind. But it mutated. And it got into a human, and it's here. They just, I read a report this morning that it is in Orange County. Okay. Pride mutates within us into that kind of disease that will destroy you. It's okay for somebody out there to be proud, but it's not okay for us. It's this one single thing that can destroy you. If God has blessed you with wealth, you need to be twice as careful. And I'm learning this because I'm a blessed man. Some of you are. Be twice as careful that you don't get an attitude of it's called independence. Always remember who made your wealth. Be aware of who your source, the success comes from God. It doesn't come from your smarts or anyone else. I have this prayer that I, I constantly say. My wife walks around the house repeating this from time to time. And, and so even though I want to forget about it, she keeps, I hear her saying it. So it's like an automatic thing. I keep remembering it. Thank goodness for my wife. In Micah 6, 8, it says, You say, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you. This is what the Lord requires of you, meaning you and me. To do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Today, I choose to walk humbly with you. I choose to live by your Holy Spirit and to follow your lead. Help me to hear you clearly, for I do not want to walk by pride or self-sufficiency. I want to walk with you in Jesus' name. It's a prayer that goes through my heart often, especially when you think you can do things on your own. You get to that place where you automatically, the disease just creeps in, it mutates and starts to destroy you. Stay away from that. Always know who's the boss, who's your source, who's providing you, the reason for your existence. 
that'll, that'll allow you to be, that'll cause you to be humble. Daniel ranks as one of the most brilliant minds the ancient world has ever known. He has an unusual aptitude for both philosophy and science. He could explain riddles and solve problems unlike anyone in his generation, and no one could dream or interpret dreams like Daniel. Daniel prayed circles around the greatest superpowers on earth at his time, and because he got on his knees, he brought kings and kingdoms to their knees. Daniel didn't just pray when he had a bad day. He prayed every day. Prayer was part of the rhythm and routine of his life. Prayer was his life, and his life was a prayer. I'm sure Daniel prayed with a greater degree of uh, intensity right before he was thrown into the, uh, the, the cage with the lions and but that intensity was a byproduct of his consistency. He approached every situation, every opportunity, every challenge, and every person prayerfully. And it was that prayerful posture that led to one of the most unlikely rises, of, uh, rises to power in political history. How does a prisoner of war become prime minister of the country that took him captive in the first place? Only God. The ascendance of Daniel defies political science, but it defines the power of prayer circles. Prayer invites God into the equation. And when that happens, all bets are off. It doesn't matter whether, you are, whether it's in the locker room, the boardroom, or the classroom. It doesn't matter whether you practice law or medicine or music. It doesn't matter who you are or what you do. If you stop, drop, and pray, then you never know where you'll go, what you'll do, or who you'll meet, and what you will accomplish. Daniel often prayed kneeling and facing Jerusalem. I see this picture often of Daniel, and there's a window in this ancient room, and, and he's facing, he's kneeling, and he's praying. It's a picture that's in my mind. Physical posture is an important part of prayer. It's like a prayer within a prayer. Posture is to prayer what tone is to communication. If words are what you say, then posture is how you say it. There is a reason why scripture prescribes a wide variety of postures like kneeling, falling prostrate on your face, the laying of hands, and the anointing the head with oil. Physical postures help posture our hearts and our minds. When you raise your hands in worship, it symbolizes your surrender to God. Sometimes you raise a clenched fist to celebrate what Christ has accomplished for you on the cross. You are declaring the victory he has won. When you drop to your knees, you are demonstrating your dependence upon the Lord. Your posture should represent your heart. I usually kneel and pray when I'm by myself when I need to confess my shortcomings and need God's forgiveness. Other times I kneel and pray as an expression of reverence and humility. I stand and lift my hands in surrender, in worship sometimes, to receive. Daniel also fasted while he prayed. Let me tell you up front that you cannot bend God's will by fasting. Fasting is more about changing you. 
changes you in a rapid way to meet the urgency of your prayer need. Sometimes it's about, it's about being in the right condition to command your situation, especially when it comes to commanding evil spirits. Mark chapter 9, verses 25 to 29 says this, when Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he became as one dead. So the man, many said, he is dead, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Fasting causes a cleansing in you and creates a desire within your inner being to be passionate about what you're praying. It, it changes who you are in a very short period of time. It brings about a certain physical purity in the flesh. Then you start to lose weight. You begin to gain complete control over your desire. Your spirit begins to rule the flesh. I believe when you starve your body, you might find this funny, but I have experienced this. <laughs> the demons within you think you're going to die and they abandon ship. Your psyche change and you begin to become humble and frail. The pain causes you to be more in touch with your humanity, which allows you to feel compassionate for the folks you're praying for. A multitude of thoughts can go through your mind, however, as the hours go by, you become more focused and in tune with the spirit within you. Fasting will cause you to be physically weak and spiritually strong. Fasting conditions you both physically and spiritually to enter the throne room of God. It allows you to hear God clearly. This is why God expects you to fast regularly, that your spirit may overcome the flesh, placing your physical body at the mercy of your spirit. Pastor Thel introduced me to fasting. It was a gift. The Bible also encourages you to engage the elders of the church when you are sick. James chapter 5 verses 13 through 18 says, is any among you, any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will, have, will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months and he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced fruit if you don't belong to a church then there are no elders you can go to when you're sick but more importantly I want you to focus on Elijah it says that Elijah was like you and me what's your condition today what kind of a condition are you in 
Sometimes I'm not in a condition where I feel I'm worthy enough to go before the throne room of God. And even though I try to, uh, uh, try to get and start praying, the devil will throw some bad thoughts into my mind and say, oh, you can't be, God's not going to listen to you. You're like this. Remember when you were in school, you bullied this person. Remember when you did this, da-da-da. All the bad things that you have done in your entire life starts pouring down on you and you feel really bad and unworthy. But I'm glad that I'm not by myself here because Elijah was like, says like you and me. Elijah prayed. God answered. You can pray and God will answer. Today is a special day for me. Today is the 26th of January. It's special because it's my father's birthday today. <clears throat> my father passed away a few years ago. And if you asked me, what do you remember about your father? I'd say he was a man of prayer. He was 250 pounds, six foot three inches high. He was a bodyguard to our president and the Queen of England when she visited Sri Lanka. Tall, big guy, strong man. I have seen him pray on his knees in the morning and in the evening. In the early 1960s, I, he sent me to a private Christian seminary type school. My father hoped that one day I would serve in the church. And as the years went by, I sang in the choir, which is what every kid needs to do at that age. Served at the altar. When Youth for Christ first came to Sri Lanka, I joined them. Yeah, I was there. All seems to be going really well, and it seems like his prayer was going to get answered. His hope was that after college, I would go to seminary. But as I entered my mid-teen years, I went into a rebellion. I didn't want to have anything to do with God, the church, or anything like that. Those were difficult years. Very, very difficult years. Some of you, I think, are going through some of those years now. My father was, he wasn't angry. He wasn't confrontational. Although he could, this is a big guy, you know. Chief of military intelligence at one time. He, he didn't want to confront me. He, he, he didn't even tell me I'm disappointed in you. I never heard that from him. I was still his son. He loved me. He chose to love me even more. And he continued in prayer. Every day I'd see him praying. He'd tell me, son, I'm praying for you. I'd laugh at him. You know, like every child in rebellion, they do that, right? Some of you can identify with me, right? Yeah. Church, God, who cares? That was me. There were many nights when he prayed till the wee hours of the morning till I came home because I'd be out doing stuff. I would see my father kneeling and praying in the living room. And sometimes he would fall asleep in the chair that he was kneeling on. You know, he'd, he'd put a chair and he'd kneel on the chair and he'd be praying. 
And sometimes he slumped over the chair and he's fast asleep. Uh, my father never asked me to come home early. He would just say, I'll see you when you get home. I asked my father to go to sleep and not wait up for me because, you know, but he would just smile. Yep. One morning when I came home, I, I felt sad. I was saddened that morning because it was like 4 o'clock in the morning and, and there he was, he was wide awake, he was still praying and I said, Dad, uh, I said, don't worry, go to your room and sleep. And I was up in my bed thinking, you know, my father has to go to work at 7 o'clock in the morning. And he did. But I decided that that day I'm not going to go out of the house on his work days. So there was a slight improvement, but my nature didn't, didn't uh, change. When I came to the United States, I think he got his eight hours of sleep. But I hadn't changed. He rejoiced when I was born again in, the, in July of 1985. I called him and I said, Dad, I, I went to this Billy Graham crusade. Have you heard of Billy Graham? He was Catholic, so, um, and he rejoiced. He said, oh, thank you, son. But he quite didn't believe me because, you know, it's difficult coming from a guy who's, he knew, your father usually knows his son. So he wasn't sure whether I was telling him the truth or whether I was just calling him to get some money from him or, you know, these things happen, right? Well, it so happened that Billy Graham preached in Anaheim in 1985. I got saved there. He went to London right after. He preached there. My father volunteered in the church, in the Catholic church, to help the Billy Graham crusade, and he got saved there too. So it was in the same year that he received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. My father dreamed big. He prayed hard and was in for a long journey ahead. He was thinking long. And even though there was no sight of his prayer being answered, he never gave up. He just continued to believe in the scripture that said, keep asking, keep seeking, knocking. Ask and it will be given to you. It's a famous Catholic verse that every Catholic knows. And you don't have to be a, a Pentecostal church to know it. This, as they are born, the priest tells you, as it says, uh, Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. That's a verse he knew. He, he always kept. That was his mantra. Twenty years after his death. Twenty years after his death. His prayer was answered. I was ordained a minister of the Foursquare Church. I am proof. That prayer works. Perhaps you have a dream today. Maybe it's a need that you have. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's your husband. And maybe you're at that place in your life where you really can't, you've given up. You've said, you know, there, there's nothing I can say or do to change this situation. There's nothing. And maybe you're in that place where, where it's dry. Maybe it's a dry place you're in. Maybe you've given up on your dream. All you really need to do is ask in faith and believe that you have already received it because, you know, God, he delights in answering prayers of his children.
just ask. Would you pray with me?